the Almeida Theatre podcast. Today's podcast is with the actress Indira Varma. Indira has been working uh, on screen very successfully over the last few years, including several seasons in Game of Thrones, but she's been a stage actor through all her career, uh, and I've been a huge fan of her work. Um, uh, I've seen her probably on most of the London stages down that time uh, in a huge variety of repertoire, uh, classical and contemporary. We were lucky enough to have uh, Indira in 2017 at the Almeida uh, in Martin Crimp's The Treatment, directed by Lindsay Turner. Uh, I, I sat down with her today to talk about her work and particularly how she felt uh, as lockdown had hit, given she was already um, uh, opening and in previews, uh, performing Arcadina in Jamie Lloyd's production of The Seagull, uh, in a production that had to be postponed given the outbreak. So, Indira, thank you so much for doing this. How are you? How are you finding um, lockdown? You, you were uh, uh, you had it, didn't you? Quite early on. I had it, but also we we were we'd just done four previews of the Seagull, oh, of course, and yeah. um, and so that felt really brutal, just to be sort of ripped away from performing and sort of getting to know our Cardinal and the Seagulls a play with an audience you know we were sort of barely beginning and that was really frustrating and heartbreaking but I was oh, ill I to imagine. be honest those yeah. last previews I was sick and I thought that you know those that um production week that sort of you feel yeah. feverish and you feel you feel <laughs> ill because of the amount of adrenaline that's coursing through your body I wasn't sure if it mm. was just that so I was being quite butch oh, and did um, you have it badly yeah. or well, I mean, I wasn't you tested, under- so who knows? I, I mean, mm. I, I was in bed for two weeks, and I'm never in bed ever. So, yeah. yeah, it was horrible, you know. It was the achy muscles and the fevers that were just driving, and yeah. the headaches. I don't get headaches, so it was, ho- it was hor- horrible. Have you had it? I don't think so, <laughs> so <No>. far. <laughs> but, 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 but so what was it like? Um, I mean, that must be amazing to, to sort of be in front of an audience and then suddenly stop. What, what, what did you, uh, it, will it come back, do you think? Well, there is talk of it because, you know, mm. they ATG owns the theatre. So they've yes. been able to just leave everything in there. And great. we have a fully re- rehearsed show. So they want to, uh, uh, to put us in. But, and what um, would it feel I, like I think, to come back, do you think? Well, I was thinking about that. Fun, funny enough, my the first time I ever worked at the Almeida was, with, was mm. on Celebration, the Pinter play. Mm. Um, and we re-rehearsed that a year later to take it to Broadway and I'd never done that before and I, I don't think I've done it since so I kept thinking about what will it be like to bring back a production and actually I loved bringing back Celebration it felt like it was a completely different not a different show it wasn't a different show at all but I felt like for some reason being able to ruminate on something to go away let it rest forget it and then come back mm. and you know your muscle memory you do slip into little Oh, I remember this. Oh, that feels nice. But I felt like it went to another level. It it was deeper. Mm. With, with our Cardinal, do you do you go over the lines every day? Are they are they still in your no. head? Or, no, or... I've I've no because in a weird way, I feel like I'm going through a grieving process because mm. I'm contracted to a fucking American TV mm. excuse my language TV <laughs> show for years and years, and um, that I'm I they I yeah. I'm contracted with them first. So if I get picked up on that, which of course we still don't know about because of the coronavirus over there, mm. I have to go and do that rather than 
the theatre show, which I'd much mm. rather do. So and I'm sort of, I've just when... left it. I've left it. Yeah. But we're in, when, we're when all in touch, when... like the company and stuff. And when, when you do theatre for you, is it, um, like, where do you sit on the kind of thrill being the rehearsal process or the performances? Like, uh, like do they feel very different things to you? Or... Yeah, I suppose they are very, very different. But I, I love, I think the, the older I'm getting, the more I'm enjoying um, finding freedom in the performance. So finding mm. that, because the one thing I love about re, um, rehearsal is that nothing really matters. Um, mm. Even though there is this deadline of actually having to get the show on and getting it to some sort of shape, um, it doesn't, every day can be full of mistakes because the more mistakes you make, the more you discover. And so it's mm -hmm. a sense of discovery. And then there comes that point where you've dis you seem to have discovered everything and it's then it becomes mm. about repetition and that bit some of the joy slightly taken out of that is having to repeat but finding the thrill of that the mm. freshness of it um and i think now i'm trying to go on stage and not care you know i, th I think it's a real it's like the gross um and analogy or whatever but you know like a, sli a sort of a bit of saliva that's stretched <laughs> to breaking point between your fork mm. and your mouth and I think it's sort of that tension that um mm. of, of of not caring and of being super prepared you know what <laughs> I mean brilliant. like yeah yeah I feel like yeah. it's yeah so and, of, um, of like leaping and letting the the net catch you kind of thing and do, do you do you get that on screen as well, or, or do you think it's a unique thing to theatre? Well, I definitely think it's more in theatre, um, mm -hmm. but I, but again, it's I, I feel like the more mistakes we make, the more alive something is, and and I'm trying to loosen my grip on trying to get things right, and mm. just see what happens. That's but so of course, true. there's always the pressure of having to, you know, there's the time pressures on, on, mm -hmm. on film um mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i think it's about it's, you have to have that courage don't you but i, I try and do it on camera but yeah often yeah it's not so, often um, as much about the relationship between two people you know it's it's oh it's my go it's now your go you know that, mm -hmm. that that's the thing i love about uh, theater and the stage work is that somebody can throw you a curveball and it's what's going to happen in that moment whereas on film it might throw the other person depending on who you're working with it's it's not on caught on camera and now we're gonna have to redo it because of the you know the turnaround or whatever mm. yeah. yeah so this these um these podcasts we're doing are sort of uh partly because we have no theater um oh, not just the yeah. Almeida but, but the whole of London and um one of the things that I'm interested in doing is is asking everybody to think of a show that, that made a really huge impact on them, either when they were young or more recently, that, that made them change their view of life in some way. And is there is there one stage show that kind of jumps to mind for you and that you've seen? Yeah, I, I felt I had to, when I thought about this, I had to be sort of honest. And, um, mm. and I think truly the first um, stage show was seeing Marcel Marceau at the oh, Bath wow. Festival. Um, <laughs> the theatre or bath and I feel like it's sort of I, it's an odd choice probably because mm -hmm. it's not really what I do for a living 
Um, mm. But there was something about, um, I, I think I'm, I realized that narrative, even though I loved to read when I was a kid, narrative wasn't as important to me. Um, mm. or, or rather a, an obvious linear story. There was something about seeing what someone like Marcel Marceau does or did mm. was like, it was watching a conjurer. It was like magic. It was watching somebody transform with nothing there um, mm -hmm. and, and connect one person, connecting with an, an entire audience and taking them on a, a weird little journey that was sort of within your imagination and with what with a few movements that i don't know that suggested something and that mm -hmm. was often contradictory and moved you in some mm -hmm. way and was funny it was funny and mm -hmm. i and that was definitely it for me and how old are you when you saw that i think i was 15. all right cool so yeah and, and did you know at that point that you wanted to be an actor um, I didn't really, I didn't realize you could make money from it. Um, mm -hmm. and also like my dad wasn't particular, I, I was doing drama at school and like, you know, mm -hmm. after school and all that kind of thing. Um, at that point, I think I, I didn't know, I didn't really know. I think at and, 16, and 15, 16, I did, I thought I wanted to be an, I, I wanted to be a mime artist. Thank <laughs> you, Mr. <laughs> and you grew yeah. up in Bath, is that right? Is that right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and and so so what was your first school play were you well i was the gabriel in the nativity um, you know, weren't we all <laughs> yeah and then i played um <laughs> i played mrs herod and then mm -hmm. i also played king herod um because mm -hmm. i was i was I, I think i was always hand up can i put on a funny voice and i yeah. i was just i love to do all that show offy stuff so mm -hmm. and then at secondary school i was um I was in an all-girls school, so I was often playing men because mm -hmm. they had more more to say in these old scripts, didn't they? Mm. Um, and I played Azdak in the Caucasian chalk Great circle. Great yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that, that was and, when I went, yeah, I want to be an actor. And did you go to Rada straight after school? Or? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. And what was that like? Um, were, you in a, were you in a gilded year or...? Who, who else was yeah, around? Yeah, we were actually. Um, Matthew McFadden was in my year. Um, um, Steve Mangan was the year above. Uh, mm -hmm. Andy Lincoln was the year above. Mm -hmm. There was lots of really good people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, was it a it great was, training. It, I loved it. I mean, I was the the very final year that got um, grants, and mm. um, which meant that we were a real motley crew. Mm -hmm. And and we were of all ages. Like I was sort of uh, one of the youngest in the year because I'd come straight from school. But we had people. There was a lawyer who was in his thirties. In fact, we had we had um, Alan Aitborn's son Philip in our year as well, yeah. who was in his thirties. Mm -hmm. So it was a real. There was a huge amount of us of different ages, mm. um, which was great. But I think when you're seventeen and you just you just left home for the first time is. It's a bit of a rude awakening, I think, because um, mm -hmm. I was, you know, paying a bill was a novelty to me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved and, and, it. I loved did, it. And did it give you a sort of broad training or, or a very specific way of working, or, or was it just? Uh, well, they, there was a lot of chat about Stanislavski technique, mm -hmm. and um, and we were introduced to tons of stuff 
but it was very Stanislavski based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, to be honest, I was, I think I, I think I was so young that I just, I just coasted a bit and just took what I mm-hmm. could. And then, um, I remember Adrian Lester came to, to talk to us. He, he, he'd been there a few years earlier and he, he'd said, these three years will teach you how to learn once you're out there in, in the world. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a really good, useful thing to take with me because Often, mm. Like I, I did find that once I'd left, it was it was putting what we'd learned into practice. It was, and it's also I think it is more of a safety net, you know, all mm. these methods of teaching and stuff. Yeah. So when you when you when you come across teenagers now who want to be actors, do you think yeah. drama school is a good thing to do, or would you tell them to go to college Definitely. first? Or oh, I definitely <laughs> yeah, I I wish I'd gone to university. Really. Um, yeah, I do. I just feel like I would have, I would have gained, I would have been cleverer. <laughs> I don't know, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> I would have, I would have learnt more. I would have, mm. um, and also I would have, I would have been more people of my own age, again, able right. to make mistakes, i.e. get pissed and do all the stupid yeah. things that you do as a, as a young student. Um, and not have that pressure put on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go to drama Cause school. Because in the early part of your career, you were working with a lot of, um, sort of older titans as well, people like uh, Pinter and David Hare, I guess, and sort of, did, did, did you feel, have you done a job that you felt, oh, this is generationally, this is really my generation, and I've really enjoyed it for that reason? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, God. I don't think I have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, uh, no, I don't think I have. And I really want yeah. to, and I love all that. I mean, I, I work with Katie Mitchell, but I feel that she's so, she's sort of otherworldly as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I did sort yeah. of work with her early on, mm-hmm. early for her, but then I was so young that it felt, it, she, she felt like a medium-sized titan, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. When you left Ryder, did you did you know what sort of career you wanted? Did you think, oh, I'm going to be a, I want to be a movie star, or I want to be a stage actor, or, or? Well, initially, I went to Rada thinking I was going to go to um, Jacques Lecoq. <laughs> Remember, I wanted to be a mime, <laughs> and mm. then it was at drama school that everyone's like, "Don't be ridiculous, you'll be on telly or whatever," and mm-hmm. um, and I think, but but when I was bef- at drama school and prior to drama school, I sort of. I think this Marcel Marceau thing, the idea of physical theatre appealed to me because mm-hmm. you could be anything. And because I'd been playing men's roles in, a, in an all-girls secondary, I really did think I can go out there and not, it sounds, not play the men's parts, you know, not play mm-hmm. Hamlet and Macbeth, whatever, and King Lear, but just do anything I wanted and also not mm-hmm. be cast according to the, to the way I look or my ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And it was actually on leaving that I I I felt the glass ceiling really. Um, Did you? I I yeah, God yeah. Because um, I I really thought that I was. I thought I mean the, the Rada training was the a classic theatre training. We didn't really do mm-hmm. TV and film there at that point, and and that's what I wanted to do. It was I did have a bit of a a, a, a dis, I discovered language when I was at, at Rada, which I started to really love and appreciate. Um, Mm -hmm. and, but then as soon as I left, my first job was, you know, a lead in a 
a movie called Kama Sutra, mm-hmm. playing you know <laughs> with a, an Indian, an accent, mm. and you know all that stuff, and and, and then how did that, that feel sort of all the work that came. Well, initially it was like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, Mira Naya had won um, the Palm Door and stuff for for mm. Salam Bombay, so I was really excited to work with a really important filmmaker and she was a woman and um, mm. it was exciting. But, you know, honestly, I, I thought the script was terrible because I'd mm-hmm. been used to reading great theatre plays, you know, mm. um, and suddenly I, and I had no real idea. And I, I didn't come from a, a, a background where we watched lots of movies and, um, and TV. I didn't mm-hmm. have that behind me. Um, yeah. and, and did it, did it make you, what sort of connection did it give you in terms of your background and ethnicity and, and sort of the, when you say there was a glass ceiling, did you think, oh, I feel um, that I, I authenticated here or, or that, that this is no. not something that I want to be defined by? Or Yeah, definitely. I mean, initially, there was so much was going on because uh, I lied to my dad about what the film was really about and because mm. there was nudity, there was sex in it, you know. Um, and so I sort of, I, I was off on my big adventure taking risks, you know, a, a mm. young girl who's just out in the world being an idiot, really, as I mm. always have been, and um, plunging into whatever experience could come my way. And it was amazing. I learned how to do classical Indian dancing. And so I was really enjoying delving into that heritage. And I'd been to India a lot a lot of times before and suddenly I was introduced to an India that I had never experienced which was it was um uh it was money it was people Mm -hmm. who come from money which which I found really fascinating and quite Mm -hmm. uh distasteful sometimes um but then Mm -hmm. after that I was and I felt I I felt inauthentic the fact that they were uh, I was being asked to put on this Indian accent it was contradictory because at the same time I, th- I thought, oh, look at me, I'm transforming. I'm, I'm becoming this other person, this character. But at the same time, I felt that there was there's something a bit shallow about it. And it, mm. after, after that job, I, I kept getting asked to do the same thing. And it turned out a lot of people didn't even know I was British. And, and I found that really frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, so, so... You know... But in the TV were you, and film were you, world, were you born here though? Were you, were you born? Yeah, in this I was country? born in Bath. Born in Bath. So, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm always interested about actors from any background. You know, that doesn't um, when they they play, um, you know, in the country of their, their parents or their grandparents. Mm. You know, be they Polish or Indian or whatever. How, whether that feels, um, I mean, it's about how that feels really for you as a performer. Because on the one hand, I mean, you're playing a a Russian actress in uh, the Seagull, and it's a different sort of tran- um, transformation. But do you feel more complicated about when you're playing specifically Indian roles? Yeah, I feel I don't want to let the side down, you know, because you can't, yeah. you can't use, you feel a bit, it, it feels, you have to be warier, I feel. I don't want to use the big brush strokes that I might, not be afraid to use if I'm playing something else. Um, mm-hmm. Also, because I don't speak Hindi, I feel quite sort of odd. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm half Swiss. I'm actually not English yes. at all. So, 
I also feel that we can be anything, really, because yes. we do share a common humanity. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what I feel. And yeah. I, I suppose I've been fed a little bit frustrated by by how much, I mean, it's more TV, really, but how much sort of period drama we do in this country and how historically mm. accurate we have to always seem to be. And whereas we've seemed, to, we've, we've often left out the colonial history um, out of these dramas, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's changing. And, and that's why I think theatre gives you gives us freedom. Mm -hmm. It's it's slightly further ahead, I think, than TV and film. Yeah, in casting terms and stuff. So so just in terms of um, when and theatre, when you when you start a, a show and and you you get, you've been cast, what's the first thing you do as an actor? What what's your what kind of prep do you do? <laughs> Jump <laughs> up and down, really excited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it depends what it is, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I try not to like the temptation for me with the seagull was like, look at every piece of YouTube video there is of, of famous mm. cool actresses playing Arcadena. You know, I think you have to get away from. Well, I try and get away from that and and look at it as a, as a new piece of text. And often it's an mm -hmm. adaptation anyway, so it, it is new minted. It's to new mint it, isn't it? And and mm -hmm. I suppose it's like being a detective, and I love that work of of mm -hmm. of just reading and reading and reading and and trying to understand why people say what they say and mm -hmm. you know why they don't speak when they're not speaking or were mm -hmm. they going mm -hmm. to say something else or and mm -hmm. and what the relationships are to the other people in the room. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so do you, do you, I mean, on, on the boring, like technical level, do you, yeah, do you try yeah. and learn your lines before you start? Or do you oh, think yeah. about costume? Um, or do you, do you, I um... hate learning lines beforehand. Um, mm. But I know that people want that more and more. Directors want, do you like that? People. <laughs> I'm always grateful, but I never expected. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what week do you like people to be off book? Right. If you have a five to I, six week I, rehearsal. I think you Just certainly want the last. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to know that the, the certainly all of the last week is going to be really solid, and ideally the last two weeks are going to be yeah. book free. Yeah. But you know, it's different, different, different things for different people. Um, yes. But like 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 with with our Cardinal, do you are you are you. Um, reading different versions of the script uh, or do no. you just work on the text no because then yeah. the problem is if you read another version you're like oh my god that's brilliant and you have mm. to come back to the one you've got there's all this there's this slight longing for something that's that's not there so i sort mm -hmm. of don't feel that that's my job to do that <laughs> yeah. um yeah i really don't i feel like i have to work with what i've got um mm -hmm. i do like I, I i was thinking you know a lot with our Cardinal, for example that her relationship with Tregorin is is um is interesting uh, mm. just in terms it, it not it's not an immediate thing that i know about a, a much older woman having a relationship with a younger man and um and that the sort of the uh the idea of this younger man's career being very successful possibly mm -hmm. eclipsing her own and so I was looking I was looking at you know Tilda Swinton and mm. various other grand dame or whatever you know and 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 how they sort of 
I mean, it's it's very superficial, but you know the way they sort of conduct themselves in the media and public, mm-hmm. you know in photographs, the way they physically are close to that person or not. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I I do look at put things. I do a Pinterest board sometimes, right? If right. I think it's helpful, yeah. So do you think of are you more under the the Marcel Musso influence or the Stanislavski influence in that prep period? Stanislavski. <laughs> I, 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 um, the Marcel Marceau is sadly in the back of a cupboard. Right, right. Well, that's the show I want to see. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so then it, in rehearsals, how do you like to work? Do you, do you like to um, tease at the text a lot or, or run around and get up? And I like to get up. I like to do. I like to mm-hmm. try it. Try it out, try it out, try it out. I mean, I love a, a good old let's let's pull it apart, especially if it's something, if the text is more complex, like, you know, Shaw or Shakespeare mm-hmm. or something that actually, to a certain extent, needs translating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and, and yeah, pulling apart a little bit. I, I do like a bit of chat um, mm-hmm. and to understand and, and also to, to, to share opinions about... Um, what something actually means or whether mm-hmm. it, it, it is something on the nose, whether this story beat is on the nose or whether it's a subtext, you know, that kind of mm. thing. And then to get up and try it and to try it again and and to, to try things that are wrong. And Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I was thinking, I mean, you've had this most incredible, just looking at all the shows you've done, you know, Shakespeare, Shaw, Coward, Pinter, Crimp. I mean, you, you have such a brilliant sense of style and, and the style that each of those sort of writers might require in the actor. Can you talk at all about how they're different or, or you know, what the struggles were of doing something like Man and Superman versus, mm. you know, Coward or, or, or Crimpy? Well, well, again, I think it's like being a detective and looking at what you have. And they're all great writers. And mm. um, like doing, like when, I, when Pinter was directing Celebration, you know, I came across a little moment where, you know, and and sometimes there's not a linear logic to what his what his characters say and how they behave. And I got frustrated because I, I just didn't understand what I was doing and why I was doing it. And he sort of, he said, as long as you say all the words I've written in the right order and um, you're truthful, nothing you do is wrong. And I thought, God, that is so liberating. And And mm. in a way, I feel it's like music that that if if it's if you have great writing you have to just absorb it like music and obey the punctuation and i i really felt that doing sure um mm-hmm. because i mean he knows i don't i don't know i'm not very educated particularly so i i don't know anything about grammar but i could feel the way he uses I don't even know how to use a semicolon or a colon don't know what the difference is but i could see on the page how he was using them and how they needed to be used and how they helped the meaning and the sense mm-hmm. of the language. And therefore the character comes through that and out of mm-hmm. that. And and that's really exciting. And the same with Coward. I think it's all in the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. I think the and more it, you say it, which is why I like to do it, because I think the more you speak it, the more it reveals itself. Mm. So like with, with Man and Superman, I remember you and Rafe finds was so quick. I mean, the, 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 the pace of the delivery was just extraordinary. Was that, did that grow during rehearsals or, or was that evident, like you say, just from how it was put down on the page? 
or did oh, the director gosh, just... that I don't remember. I mean, I mean, Rafe, he had so much to say. He had to get through it. Otherwise, mm. we'd have been there for three days. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it was it was evident in the writing and and I suppose the the, the motor behind mm. it. How you know, back to the Stanislavski thing of of how mm. much people want and how yeah how how strong their need is for something um mm -hmm. i remember when we were doing present laughter actually andrew andrew scott is so speedy and i mm -hmm. did think oh my god i'm i'm worried because i'm quite speedy as well and there were moments where i thought the two of us are going to just fall off the rails because mm -hmm. we can't possibly speak this fast and the audience has to be able to hear it mm -hmm. so it's a, then you think okay we need clarity and we need to slow we have to let the audience in but he's a genius so mm. he knows what he's doing um I, th I think you're both so good in that in that i mean t t talk to me about how when you've got that rhythm in a rehearsal room of, of bouncing off another uh someone like andrew scott and then you come in front of an audience and you're both getting huge laughs from the audience uh, and yet you're also playing quite um you know a rich emotional sort of subtext through that relationship is that difficult to hold together? Does it get hijacked by an audience? And, and uh, how do you sort of keep your connection with the actor through that? Gosh, I mean, I, I'm not as clever as either Andrew or Rafe. And I felt that my my only way of, of, of holding anything down is to hang on to the sort of the truth of the moment and mm -hmm. the character and the story that we're telling in each moment to moment um and i don't have that skill that i think and certainly andrew has of being able to let a laugh sit and and sometimes stretch it out i mean my god <laughs> he really took it to its <laughs> limits sometimes but still maintain that tension and then carry on i i don't i don't think i can do that but mm -hmm. in rehearsals we it was for for weeks we were sort of allowed to surf and every single time we did that lovely big scene in in um act one um mm. i felt that we were doing it differently and at one point we did we had to sit down with matthew and say are we going to ever peg this down because we, we're doing different things every time we do it and he was like well as long as it's working so Mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing and and, and that that uh, the fact that he allowed us that freedom was sort of scary but quite exhilarating because I think instinctively we both knew that we were never going to take it so far in any direction to lose to lose what was important about it and I think it, when whenever it's truthful if you keep hold on to the truth of the situation it always makes it funnier or there's always a better mm -hmm. payoff later on down the line and how do you do that when Either, either you've got a line that you know is very funny or, or there's a bit of comic bis business that someone like Andrew might be doing and the audience are laughing 10, 20, 30 seconds. How do you, do you, do you look at the other actor and think, <laughs> when are you going to bring the orchestra back in again? Or... <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but, 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 but with pleasure and joy, you know, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, this is our horse and we're going to yeah. rein it. You know what I mean? We're, we're riding it. And, and I think it is important not to let the audience pull it out of shape. And because yeah. sometimes they do want you to tell, they want more jokes. If they're, yeah. if they're on a high and they're having the best time of their lives, they want you to keep pushing it. And so the more in jokey and more connected to the audience you become, the more they want it, you know. And I think mm. you do, you sort of know and you have to bring it back, I think. But you do yeah. have these moments where you're just like, 
slack-jawed going, oh, my God, are we ever going to get back to this play? You know, mm. Noel Coward has left the room. Yeah. So so, to, so when you did the treatment for, for us, the Martin Crimp play, which is incredibly uh, cryptic and, um, you know, where, where you, I mean, you were very much the orchestra leader in all those scenes as well. Um, was that a very different process uh, working on that? Oh, I, I I love crimp. I love mm. crimp. Um, I mean, I did, I did the country with Katie Mitchell at the court years and years before. Mm. So I already had a sense of these lovely, again, I think it's like music. I really do. Especially he has, he has duets going on, doesn't he? He overlaps mm. and all that kind of thing. And um, I just, it, it, it just, it, there was a, it was just such a joy that play. I really loved mm. doing it. Um, because it was so funny and she was so just revolting that character <laughs> but um uh i don't i don't know what, what, what were we saying <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just wondering whether the um did you have to spend a lot of time working out what the play meant or did you always, oh, always yeah. clear because you knew what you were what you wanted as it were was that more important I I mean, no, I think, yes, you're right. I think, I mean, I left that to Lindsay, understanding what the play actually meant. It's nice to mm -hmm. know up to a point. Um, but also, I think my, my the work that I've done with Pinter is a lot about, you know what, don't worry too much about if you if you don't understand it completely. Because mm -hmm. when you, if you understand what you're doing in each moment, then you piece it together and the audience will work it out. You know, mm -hmm. you don't, I, and I think the the that's the sort of the director needs that eye in a way. Do you, mm -hmm. I, I mean, what would you what do you think about that kind of thing? You do have to know, but yeah, who knows what anything means? I think as long as it's um, as long as you have integrity about what you're you're pursuing in the beat by beat, then I think, yes. I think that transmits to an audience. I, I'm, I'm interested about how you then take all that trust in a writer and trust in the. Uh, rigor of the, how they put it down on the page and, and even the trust you have in your director on stage wh when you come to screen work where uh, even if the writing is good but you know inevitably you won't have that level of preparation time and rehearsal um, and, and often because of the nature of screen drama often that the dialogue has to be more expositional at times yeah. is that is that um what your what are your tricks for for acting that sort of material Oh God, I find that really, I'm really bad at exposition and mm -hmm. I try and find something that I need, like something that's personal. I'm not very good at, you know, like, uh, what are they called? Um, you know, like doctors and nurses and lawyery dramas. What, what are they called again? There's a, a sort Man. of generic term for that kind of television. Yeah, procedurals. Well, procedurals, know, police, yeah. yeah. Mm. Anything that's like procedural. I, I can't do it. I can't do it because it, to me it's meaningless. I want it to be about the human heart. And mm. um, so if there is a bit of exposition, I, I have to find a personal, intimate connection with it that is about mm. communicating something other than just information. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just somebody shoot me. Um, <laughs> so, mm. and, and I think, again, it's all about relationship. It's all about mm. relationship. And, and, you know, you can have, you can find so much. I, sometimes I love, I love the parameters of TV and film because yes, the script might not always be so good. You, there is a lot of exposition, um, mm. but, and, and you haven't got so much time, but actually if you, if you find your fellow actor and you can find an immediate way to connect with them and be mm -hmm. playful, you can, 
you can have such a laugh. And I think it's about that freedom and the playfulness. That's when mm -hmm. the interesting stuff comes and you yeah. manage to hide exposition under something more interesting. Great. And what about at home? Like, how do you stay, particularly now in this time when we're, we're all mm. at home, how, how do you stay creative? Does that matter to you? Do, do, you, do, you, do you spend a lot of time with music or do you, do you, do you <laughs> read plays with, with Colin? No, or I really don't do that. <laughs> well, we've actually been quite, we've, we've both done uh, quite a bit of um, uh, uh, voiceover work, so documentary, which I quite like because there's an mm. element of storytelling to it. Also done a, a radio drama, which I mm -hmm. loved. And in fact, it was a room, it's a room of one's own, um, yeah. which I'd never read before. And so, and it was a dramatization. And suddenly I'm like, right, I've got to read the real thing. And this, mm -hmm. is, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So that was quite creative. I'm doing watercolor um, class every <laughs> Friday. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm going running and we're baking a lot. My God, mm. we're getting fat. And um, <laughs> I, and I love do, my garden. I love my garden. Right. Do you think, is it important to be creative as an actor or do you think it's, uh, uh, you know, because I know, I know all you, you, the actresses on that WhatsApp group that Kate's on with you oh, as well. Yeah. There's a lot of life and energy from um, all those actors of the same generation kind of sharing stories. But but do, do you think it is important to kind of have an interior creative life or do you think it's just important to kind of be out there meeting people and constantly in a human situation? No, I think an interior life is really important. I mean, like going back to the idea of how you rehearse, it's like, I'm I'm not like slaving over the script every day. Well, I am actually, but but not. You know, a lot of the time is spent like when I'm taking the dog for a walk or or doing something in the garden or whatever. Is thinking about it. It's the interior life of the characters. Like you mm. know, if I'm on a bus, I'll be <laughs> haven't been on one for a while, but you know, um, thinking only because of Corona, not because I'm fancy and take cars. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like it's it's what your brain is doing in in all these different situations, and I love that. I, I've been meditate. I'm doing meditation every day because I feel like that. Um, just that space of stopping. It's like if there's noise all the time, i.e. my thoughts or whatever, or the news or whatever it might be, it's like having, finding a space that can be filmed, like a vacuum that can be filmed with creative or positive or, you know, other kinds of thoughts. Not mm -hmm. always the same stuff that we instinctively come to. Um, so, yeah, definitely watching movies and... Mm -hmm. I need I need quiet time as well. I think it's really important. But also mm. to doodle, you know, you can like to draw is a really anything that's crafty, making things, writing. And and like I'm not a writer, but I enjoy just sort of every now and then writing as an as, as something that is an interior. It it's mm. cr it's creative. It's not creative because I'm not giving it to anyone, but I find it a creative process. Mm. it's processing i feel okay. like we don't reflect enough in mm -hmm. our society you know and especially with like social media and everything it's all outward it's opinion it's opinion it's you know and, and it can be that whole thing about connecting with people which i think is really important but i feel like we need much more well i need more space to to reflect mm -hmm. you know well good time for that so listen um let's um Let's finish by uh, the question that I ask everybody, which is 
Um, when you think of the Almeida in particular as a theatre, both either as an audience member or being on stage, is there anything about it that, that speaks particularly to you or that, that you cherish now that it's closed? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's so many things. I think ultimately the, the thing that comes to mind for me, both on stage at the Almeida and off and in the audience is its intimacy. Um, it, I mean, it, it, I think the shape of it is so beautiful. And I love the fact that it was it an operating theatre? Is that right? If I just made that up? It was a sort of, yes, medical uh, examining space at one point. Right. Yeah. There's something about the shape of it that feels like there's an energy that's going around. Um, it, it doesn't, it's not out, it just doesn't go in one direction. It really, and I know that's probably what all theatres should do, but there's something about the size of that space. And, um, you know, the brickwork of it and those lovely iron poles that are holding mm. it up. I love the structure of it. Mm. Um, and I, I, I feel that you can be incredibly intimate on there and enormous. Um, mm. and, and it holds the both. And I think it's, it's the intimacy that I think is magical in that mm. space. And the fact that you can also transform it in so many different ways. I'm always surprised, yep. you know, I'm always surprised by how much you can change it. Yeah. That's one of, yeah, certainly what we aim for. Um, yes, it's lovely. So listen, thank you so much for doing this. And I really, really hope that we get to see this um, uh, oh, Seagull as well, because yeah. it looks such an exciting cast and such an exciting production. And uh, hopefully um, you. your American TV producers will find you the space. And, yeah, uh, and <laughs> oh, I hope so. And hopefully we'll be oh, back well, at the Almeida too as well soon. I hope so. And also, it's welcome. within a cycle ride from me, so Perfect. the Almeida. <laughs> That's a deal. All right. <laughs> thanks well, thank so you. much, Rupert. Take, Take care. care. Thank you for listening to the Almeida Theatre Podcast. Recently, we've had to take the very difficult decision to temporarily close the Almeida. As you can imagine, this has had a profound financial impact on us as a charity. And right now, every penny counts for us. If you are able to support us during this time, any donation, large or small, will make a huge difference. Take care, and I look forward to seeing you at the Almeida soon. Thank you for listening to the Almeida Theatre Podcast. For more, head to almeida.co.uk forward slash explore.